is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. Hey guys, we're back with another episode of Entertainment X. This episode is really, really cool. I sit down with Townsend Teague. He wears many, many hats. We touch on a few of them. He's been uh, an early investor in Today Ticks Production Pro, which is this awesome like cloud application they use for productions. Say, for instance, they're working on a Hamilton here in New York City, and they want to send costume plots and edits and directorial things via the cloud over to London. They send it on over there, and the production team can get it uh, in real time. And that's a rough, rough, uh, very brief explanation of that one program. I think a lot of us know it today, Ticks. Um, are or is they have a magazine called the X mag and so much more he's discusses a lot about the future of Broadway we talk about movies and how they're making a, a mainstay here on the uh, Great White Way and we discuss his childhood conversations had with his parents and what he got to witness from their work ethics and their um, lessons on kindness and so much more. I feel like this intro could be 10 minutes long <laughs> with the amount of quality information we talked about. So without further ado, I give you Townsend Teague. We are back, and today with me is Townsend Teague. Townsend, thanks for doing this, man. Hey, man, how's it going? Great to see you. It's Yes, it's great. It's And we were talking about the weather before we began. <laughs> I, I'm so about this. Yeah, there's nothing else to talk about now that we've gotten to the weather. I mean, seriously, now that it's going to be 80 degrees, I'm like, I'm, well, I'm jazzed over it. So, 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 so let's set the tone for okay. our listeners. We're in a coffee shop we in are. midtown Manhattan, yes. right off Times Square. Mm -hmm. There's people around us. Which explains so, why. So, 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 we're going to give you our best <laughs> NPR or SNL uh, <laughs> voices here oh 100 percent. Um, yeah it was funny because when you came in you were like oh now it makes sense I'm like oh the whisper makes sense now we are we are hanging out with people yeah we are we're <laughs> this is the best part about new york you do this stuff everywhere <laughs> so i was introduced to you funny enough from my friend patrick bishop yeah he's, that's right he's you know patrick bishop yeah we uh we've sat down okay great yeah okay so i don't have to make that the rest of that explanation there he's a good guy we did disney together nice we worked together for Cruise like ship? a year what'd you do yeah okay we were performing on the ship all right it was fun yeah. how long uh, it was six months on the ship, two months rehearsal. Awesome, fantastic. In Toronto and then the Caribbean. So yeah. it was like That's rehearsal in Toronto. Not a bad gig. Yeah. It was sweet. Anyway, so let's uh, let's jump back here to the beginning of time for you. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, you know, 16 years into your life. Um, going back to high school, because I did some homework listening to a previous podcast you okay. had been okay. on. And I want to talk about um, clubs that you were part of, things that piqued your interest in high school. Sure. Um, uh Clubs. Uh, let's see. I um, I played hockey. Okay, so ice yeah. hockey, and um, I uh, was one of those kids that was on like the the local team uh, in, until I was eight, and then I got recruited by a traveling team and spent Sweet. you know a lot of weekends uh, basically from uh, elementary school through uh, kind of mid high school. Um, yeah. doing ice hockey. So that, that was my sport. And, you know, I had friends in school that were doing, um, you know, like basketball, lacrosse, football, uh, baseball, and it was like seasonal, but you know, hockey is like a, a six to eight month 
a year type of sport. There's preseason, season, and post. Um, yeah. You know, and so you have your high school friends, and then you also have your team that you're traveling with. That we were recruited from a bunch of different high schools. Um, so you know, we'd be you know in hotels, you know, playing floor hockey, bothering everyone around us, you know, yeah. in, in different states every weekend. So hockey was a big one. Um, didn't, you know, I, obviously theater is a huge focus of mine, um, but it wasn't in any theater clubs, um, because I was either auditioning for or acting in shows. And so I was getting my theater fixed through the experience, um, not so much, uh, by, by a, a club experience, but, but through, you know, the cast and the people that I was working with. Yeah. And you, so you were in the shows? Oh yeah. And then you would also do... Because you were also working at the end. Was it towards the end of high school there? You were also doing um, like backstage stuff. You were, Or you were always performing. I moved, I moved backstage um, post-college, actually. Post-college. Yeah. So for, for me, I, you know, I went to, you know, some summer camps, did some uh, theater summer camps uh, when I was younger, and then more traditional kind of like sports all around summer camps, uh, you know, late elementary school, junior high. Yeah. Um, the... The, the the acting bug, you know, caught early, so probably around like eight or nine years old. Um, and then in high school, I was in two high school plays. And then by the time I got into 10th grade, that's when I started acting professionally. Mm. And that's when I started my schedule of eight times a week uh, doing shows uh, pretty much through the rest of high school. Um, and um, that's when, you know, hockey then, you know, I had to I had to pick, you know, it kind of mm. like f- faded out of the picture. Um, but uh, that's, you know, those are kind of like two big things, hockey and theater. Okay. Um, but if we're talking clubs specifically, I was also co-president of our model United Nations debate team uh, for, two, right. for two years, okay. uh, which was great. I just loved it. You know, we travel and do these competitions where you're, you know, um, working on, you know, real world scenario crisis with, yeah. you know, kids from other high schools. And, you know, growing up in Washington, D.C., there would be like tons of kids whose uh, parents were members of Congress. Um, that, you know, we all knew who each other's parents were and things like that. And I oftentimes, uh, being, being a theater guy would, uh, like to imitate certain people's parents, um, while speaking, (laughs) if we were counter debating each other, just to really get under their skin. It was, it was a lot of fun. Would you win a lot of these? Um, we, we, we did pretty well. You did pretty well. yeah. Yeah. There was, um, I was talking to, uh. Is it Jerry Mack the other day? And he did a public speaking in high school. And mm-hmm. it was like people in theater are particularly good at public speaking. And some of them are pretty good at it. You're talking about like, Jerry McIntyre? Yeah, Jerry yeah. McIntyre. And he would knock it out of the park just mm-hmm. because he can talk forever. Well, yeah, the mayor of Broadway, as they Literally. as they call him. Yeah, that's a pretty fitting title, I think. <laughs> so you grew up in uh, D.C.? I did. I grew up in Alexandria, Virginia. It's okay. on the Potomac, right across the river from the city. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and I was asking you this beforehand, so we'll see what we can talk about here but um were there any interesting dinner table conversations that came up all the time all the time any ones that particularly affected you that you could share (laughs) tons of the details tons of them um gosh you know it's like we don't remember what we said we just remember how it made us feel yeah you know i think that's that's a, a nice generalization response um you know how did it make you feel um uh intense hopeful all, all, all of the all of the things that people can experience you okay. know uh, joy awareness um, everything did it um, help you I, w- I don't want to use the word grow up quickly but did you do a lot of your learning at the dinner table 
Yeah, I think, you know, we all have our, you know, when in life do we like kind of like click on the switch to, um, you know, being present, being having having our mind be aware, which also you know comes with the the challenges of of you know self doubt and, and and all those kinds of things, or you know what's my purpose, who am I supposed to be, all that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. you know that happens at different ages, and you know I look at you know my nieces and nephews, the oldest one now is nine, and you know you start to watch you know the 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 switch turning of you know kids in class together, and when they start to feel you know maybe they like a boy or a girl, or there's you know a team that they want to be on or something that they're trying to achieve and you go from you know the two-year-old that's smiling to you know a human being that's processing and you know I think that that's all of our experience and that um, we uh, we we have that come into our life at different times so for me I think you know it came pretty early you know you you ask about the dinner table yeah, yeah. some of the conversations were pretty intense um, my parents were working in domestic and international policy. Uh, my uh, father had worked in Congress, had worked in the White House, uh, was a chief of staff for a congressman for a number of years, um, had gone into law practice um, uh, predominantly with a focus on international trade. Uh, so that meant he was traveling a lot. Um, and mm-hmm. so we, you know, we, we would hear a lot about what was going on in the world. Um, and that, that creates a heightened awareness about, huh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to have a human experience beyond whatever's going on in our neighborhood. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that for me, it's like, that's, you know, part of who I am, uh, and it, it informs, you know, who I am and, and that, that started pretty early for me, but it also meant, but, you know, when I went to college in a smaller town that, you know, seeing the differences of, um, Uh, Not only what it means to be an American, um, but, you know, just, you know, how people are living differently across the country, what their viewpoints are, what they are or maybe are not thinking about, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do a lot of traveling growing up? Um, mostly in the U S I mean, I, I went on some trips with my, with my dad. Um, you know, my dad and I have traveled together to, uh, Latin America several times. Uh, you know, I think my first trip down there and was, uh, into Costa Rica when I was maybe probably like eight. Okay. Um, you know, we've been in Europe. Um, we've been in, um, some countries in the middle East together. Um, and, uh, you know, and then I've done trips with siblings and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting to think that because like you you can become so worldly from living in dc and not actually like because everything comes there i mean that is like the epicenter for world news policy you know what have you Mm -hmm. in terms of the government i mean you know you have other episodes and and really that that word worldly like what does that what does that mean is that understanding of other people's cultures and awareness of the world around you other than just like your neighbor yeah so uh, awareness and empathy are two different things right and so whereas we can be aware of something what does that mean to us and how does that fit into our worldview about um you know who we are and and uh, for ourselves and for the people around us yeah because you can be aware and unempathetic non-empathetic absolutely care (laughs) (laughs) what did your parents teach you about work ethic so you know my you know, a hard one to keep up with is my dad. Um, he, I, I don't know where this comes from, but he, he only needs like four hours of sleep a night. 
God bless him. And so, you know, I think to myself, you know, we, we, the work week of Monday through Friday and then Saturday, and when you have four kids, you know, everybody has an activity in ice hockey, which I mentioned before, you know, my Saturday morning practices usually started at 5, 5.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my dad would always take me to practice. And so, you know, he's working long, long hours, and then he's taking me to practice. Um, but, you know, I had this fun, funny image, uh, you know, of my dad always, you know, in the car with a, you know, a, a big legal pad. Um, he had a car phone, you know, so he would, he he would be on calls always. And it was hilarious because, you know, he would get off the calls and be, you know, swearing about somebody or, you know, things like this. And we'd be at a stoplight and he'd be writing, or we'd be driving down the road and he'd be steering with his knee while he's (laughs) writing notes for his call. Just always working. (laughs) Always working. So, you know, you look at that when you ask like, you know, what did you learn about those types of things? You just go, wow. You know, like it does not stop. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there was no like, I'm home from work, you know, like it's like, it's all yeah. just happening all the time. It's kind of, it's really funny to think about. Man. Yeah. That must create like an intense drive. I mean, cause you really like, it's so fast paced when you're working like through the weekends and everything. It just kind of like oh, uh, totally. rips it up. Totally. Cause like my parents would, my mother was a teacher. My dad was a civil engineer and they come home, you know, Monday and Saturday and Sunday were like, you know, chill. Like there's no, some papers to grade. So that's crazy that. Yeah. How about kindness? What did they teach you on kindness? Or what did that come about for you? So I am. Um, so I guess, you know, one thing I'll say is that I, you know, I think I'm, I am a, a middle blend of both of my parents. You know, my, I mentioned my dad's an attorney, you know, there's a lot of, you know, these are the facts, you know, black and white, you know, things like that. Um, my mother, um, you know, she was very interested in the arts, was a ballet dancer, um, and then, you know, eventually found her way to D.C. and moved more into um, uh, not politics in terms of working for a specific politician, but in terms of world politics. Um, and she was an adjunct professor at Georgetown for a number of years and then GW. And she would be away, you know, every summer she would teach uh, conflict resolution on the Isle of Crete. Um, in the Mediterranean. What and, exactly is that? You know, so, well, again, thinking about the world, you know, if you go back to like in the 90s, you know, when when the wars in the, in, in the Balkan region and, you know, bringing people out from those countries to discuss their differences, young people, um, you know, you know, people that are coming from, you know, being afflicted by, you know, Slobodan Milosevic or, or you know, yeah. uh, you know, names like that from, from back in that time period um, or bringing... Uh, Jews and Palestinians and Christians uh, from the Middle East that are, uh, you know, in their teens or or early 20s onto an island for a month to uh, work on conflict resolution, to identify each other as human beings and to see um, what is what is the same uh, in terms of, you know, the human experience, hoping that 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 can mean something uh, for those individuals um, when they return home. Um, so, you know, that, those, that was cycling through the house, you know, at, at, uh, all, all of my, uh, young life and in my early adult life. And what that translated to for me with your kindness question is seeing that both of my parents were pursuing careers where they were giving of their time to, uh, work towards the betterment of other people. 
you know, I would sometimes ask my dad when I was young, you know, there, there would be kids that lived in bigger houses than us or, you know, their dads, you know, or parents had better cars than we did or things like that. And we, we were doing fine. Um, but, you know, you, you, you start to find out things that, well, you know, maybe some of the things that certain people in D.C. are doing are, are not above board or they're, you know, they're representing, you know, oil, oil kings in Saudi Arabia or they're arms dealers or, you know, those are extreme examples. But yeah. what you learn is that those opportunities were also presented to people close to me um, and, and those people passed on those opportunities because they didn't fit with their view of how to best serve the world. Yeah. That's a great answer. So that's a form of kindness and going, you know, I'm, I'm not going to shoot for how can I get the, the largest multi-million dollar contract despite ethics, uh, d- despite, you know, your internal value system. Um, because once you compromise that, uh, it, it's hard to get it back. Yeah, you're bringing up a good point with ethics and internal value system because the more solidified you are on your, you know, your ethics, mm-hmm. it help, really helps you make decisions and it keeps you from making decisions that are just It's fantastic. Not so great. It's it it gives you roadmaps. It does. Is that a constant thing for you or you're just aligned <laughs> with that? You have that in your mind, you know what your what your ethics are, where well, you sit. Well, alignment's like, a daily practice and we're we're challenged um with with, you know, uh uh, not confronting or dealing with, but having a conversation with ourselves on a daily basis yeah. um, about you know opportunities, professional friendships, um, otherwise personal opportunities. Yeah. Um, I th- you know I think having a, a good core understanding of who I am um, allows me to make decisions more quickly by mm-hmm. trusting my gut. Um, you know, and, and that gut is not. Um, uh, uh, something that is, uh, you know, not untrained at this point. Yeah. Were both your parents, or are they both, would you consider them optimists? Ooh, gosh, what, what, you know, I'm sure they'll listen to this podcast. <laughs> uh, my mother, I would consider an optimist. Okay. Uh, I guess I consider my dad an optimist too. He's just really intense. Um, you know, and it's, I'm smiling while I'm saying this cause you know, it's, it's kind of funny to me how intense he can be, yeah. but they're, they're both very optimistic. Um, you know, I think they're able to, um, you know, define goals and work their way towards them. And I think that, you know, having a level of optimism about we're going to get where we need to be. It may look different than we originally thought, but we're going to get there despite that. Um, and, and we'll get there in the best way because of that. Um, I think that that's true for both of them. Yeah. Because being an optimist, especially if you're running your own business or some sort, you can, it's a, greatly affects the outcome of situations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what you focus on, you find. And if you have a positive outlook on every situation you come across, it's just, it'll work out in your favor. <laughs> well, it'll work out. It'll, yeah, and it'll work out the way it's supposed to. That's right. Um, okay, so you went to Indiana University. I did. How much of a change was, like why Indiana University? And how much of a change was that from DC? Because I know college campuses in general are pretty open-minded and worldly thinking. But Indiana's just, in my mind, I've never been, so this is a close-minded opinion. I've never been, but it just, I imagine it's just so different from D.C. So how did that, what did that, how did that affect you? Did that slow you down? Did that kind of, you know, anything come to mind? Well, you you should visit sometime uh, if you can. Uh, That or any Big Ten university 
Um, they tend to be in, in sprawling, um, beautiful, open landscape um, type of environments where uh, the town is, is really built around the experience of college. Uh, okay. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go to a school where I could pursue arts administration. Okay. And... Um, you know, I by the time I was in 11th grade, I knew that I wanted to start gravitating away from uh, the being on the stage to the putting together of shows. Um, that's just that that's where I was headed. Um, and Indiana University has an undergraduate program, which is um, kind of uncommon for arts administration. Um, that's generally a graduate degree, uh, but they've had this program for, by the time I came there, which is now 15 years ago, um, actually since I got out, um, they have an individualized major program, which is where you know no one school will claim um, a degree. And so ours, it was the College of Arts and Sciences, the theater school and the business school that um, had a program that had existed for 25 years before I came in arts management. And um, it's a four-year program. The first two years, um, you're with people that might want to be art curators uh, at museums, um, different forms of art. But by your last two years, you're, you're really into the specialty of, you know, in my case, um, uh, live performance art. Um, and also some, you know, some blend of, of media, uh, film and television um, uh, studying in there as well. So that's really, I mean, that was the first, um, that was the biggest reason for me to go to Indiana. Um, I, I also was, you know, I knew I'm coming to New York when I am uh, out of school. And so I knew that I did not want to be in New York for college um, because I, I knew that New York was really, I felt strongly was going to be the place that I would make my home um, as a young adult. How did you come to that? You know, I, I, I'd been up here a couple times um, in high school just on trips. Um, and, um, this is where, you know, to me, the, the center of the universe, um, for people that are pursuing careers in Broadway is, and so this is where I was going to be and really nowhere else. Did you have your mindset on what you wanted to do before you got here or was it kind of like, yes. And there was an exploration of like, who knew where, (laughs) who knew where it would go kind of thing. It, it, well, both, um, you know, uh, Certainly an idea of the the types of rooms that I wanted to be in the types of people that I wanted to be working with um, And then the rest of that was going to need to evolve and reveal itself Um, You know, I'm a big believer that we we get our next opportunity by fully investing in the opportunity that we are currently in Okay, so if I'm an intern at a uh, at a Broadway production office um, my my focus is to be present in that experience and to do good work. Um, and, um, hopefully knock on wood, that work will be recognized as something that should be, uh, given an additional opportunity after that internship. And that's really been how, how my experience has been. Um, I, you know, I've, I've been fortunate in that really, I think, you know, after college, I, created a resume, you know, 2003, 2004, I created a resume and I keep track of, of my, uh, career history, but I haven't been asked for a resume, um, since maybe my second job out of college, because you build the community, you do the work, um, and then through word of mouth, um, and specifically pursuing opportunities that interest me, um, 
you open the next door and walk through it. Yeah, because it comes down to relationships and it is a small community. Is that something you came about during your internship? Like you were there working and you kind of realized like, oh, oh, this is like, this is a community. This is a small community. It's going to be all about relationships. Or was it kind of just like a no-brainer? There are no no brainers. Okay. <laughs> in theater and, or in life. Well, you know, I'll sp- I'll speak specifically to to the Broadway industry that yeah. um, there 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 are a number of different participants. Um, if we were you know doing a case study, we we call them stakeholders. Mm-hmm. You know that have different reasons for um, for working and participating or being around the Broadway experience. You know, certainly, I think most of us begin that experience as consumers. Um, sitting, attending shows and being drawn towards that experience of storytelling. Um, One of the hardest things when we talk about was it a no-brainer is how do you go from loving something and then turning it into a job? You know, that's that's a hard transition. That's a journey. Why? Um, I think that probably the closest comparison would be um, athletes, professional athletes to, uh, to people that are in our business that you love something and you do it for sport because you love it. But when you decide to flip a switch and make a career, um, to pay your bills based off the, that career, um, it changes things. Right. Um, and you know, the theater is no different that, you know, I think that, you know, when you're, when you're doing shows, uh, it's not uncommon that, you know, people bring you flowers and there's opening night parties and it's really exciting, but there's also an enormous amount of in between. And in that in between, we're thinking about, um, how much and how far am I willing to go in order to, uh, experience, um, what, what it can be to have a life in the arts. Um, so for me, you know, I think, you know, I'll try to like get through this little portion as quickly as I can. But, um, you know, all of our lives, things are very set out for us in terms of, you know, though we may not know where we will ultimately head, the chronology of elementary school to junior high to high school to college, people saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, at a certain point, you get out in your little life raft and you go out into the world and you say, where are all the people asking me? What do I want to be when I grow up? (laughs) And the thing is, is you work and train your mind in asking yourself that question. Um, That really becomes a question that we visit um, on a daily basis with ourselves. What do I want to be when I grow up? Now I'm 37 years old and I still ask myself that question. um, And I hope to ask myself that question all of my life because I'm pursuing something that, um, you know, I I think requires that that attention and not ever feeling like I'm on autopilot. Um, So, you know. For me, going back to your question about did I just, you know, see this community, community is an interesting word. You know, Broadway is a commercial theater business. And so do I, do I see the community? Yes, um, there there is the community. I also see the very high stakes pressure business of, of what it is to be in a startup culture that never ends. So imagine yourself having an idea for a company and you know you're going to work on the company for two years. Um, you are going to go through all these experiences of talking to people about what your idea is, um, 
eventually some people will gravitate towards it. You'll get a community of people behind you and you'll take it to market and then we'll see what happens. Um, well, if that, if that company is successful, you then move forward with the single company um, and you'll you know layer in things around it based on whatever your needs are. In the Broadway industry, if you're working for a general manager um, or you're a career producer that is producing full time, you are taking shows, which is taking companies to market at all times in various stages of that cycle. Mm -hmm. And so that that, you know, describing dad working around the clock, you know, on the phone and writing, you know, and driving with his knee, um, you know, in the Broadway industry, we say, um, you know, it's. It's not a it's not a job, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's not a career, um, and, and both of those are the first part of saying, you know, what it is is it's a lifestyle, and those that adopt it as a lifestyle because it feels like that's the fit for them, um, then it all blends together. The community of, um, you know, work events, social events. Um, work meetings, um, all that uh, can easily begin to blend. Um, and that's, that is where you can find yourself eventually accelerating towards what we call burnout, mm-hmm. right? So you go from going, okay, I, I've moved from college to post-college. I've worked you know, now on a couple shows um, that it, you know, are Broadway shows. They've been nominated for awards. You know, you've gone through the award season and experienced what that's like also, which is a very intense process of, um, of all the publicity and the things that happen around the award season. Um, and eventually you go, okay, now what, right? So you know, I think that just as, as companies can plateau, individuals plateau, yeah. one and the same. Um, and we go, okay, I, I've gotten to my benchmarks. The things that I thought I wanted to be, the intern becomes the production assistant. The production assistant becomes the assistant to the company manager. Mm-hmm. The assistant company manager, or excuse me, the assistant to the company manager becomes the assistant company manager who becomes the associate company manager who becomes the company manager, who becomes the general manager. Hmm. At that point, fast forward, and I've now taken you through me from internship to 2013, you go, okay. Now um, what? <laughs> yeah. You know, as President Bartlett used to say on the West Wing, what's next? Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, that's a good time to, you know, revisit that conversation with ourselves about what is next. Is that where today ticks came into play? Oh gosh, I mean that's. Am I jumping around? Yeah, you're jumping around. I mean, okay. we we you know it's it's part of the blend of what's next, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but you know the what next for me, I think, you know I um, my generation, I'm 37, um, and I my first job, you know, it's a badge of honor when you're handed a BlackBerry. Okay. <laughs> this is okay. pre iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> so you're handed a BlackBerry and it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the cool kids. Cause I have a BlackBerry. I have a personal phone and a BlackBerry, which by the way is totally annoying to have two phones in your pocket. <laughs> True. And, and every morning from your first job, when you wake up, there's a little red light that's blinking that says the day has begun. 
there are messages and things to do in your inbox. Be yeah. anxious. Be anxious. Have anxiety. <laughs> That's what the red light means. That's what the red light means. <laughs> yeah. And and the reason it says to be anxious and have anxiety is what happens is that we we flip a switch where when we walk into the office, we don't begin our day. When we walk into the office, we are now expected to be up to speed on the day. Um, we've read the emails that are in our inbox. We yeah. have our to-do list about... Um, whatever needs to be done um, at the front of the list. Um, and so that process begins much earlier. It continues through the day and then also goes into the night right before we go to bed. Yeah. So what does that mean? I think that it accelerates burnout, you know, because our generation, you know, it's like John Mayer writing about like a quarter life crisis instead mm -hmm. of a, you know, your, your halfway yeah. point crisis. Um, you know, and that song now is, that's, that's an old song now. It's over 10 years old, but, yeah. um, it still stands true. Um, for me, something, a, a rhythm that I've experienced, um, is the coming in and out of New York city for work and how that makes me think about the purpose of Manhattan. Um, the community that is building shows in Manhattan that eventually, you know, export out into the United States and the world and to get out into those, uh, those cities, you know, so for me, like, you know, I, my first internship, by the time I was done with my internship, I had negotiated with that office to come back the next summer while also then negotiating with that office to go on tour for my first fall semester of the next school year. My college gave me credit for doing that. Oh, sweet. And then by the time that that was done, I had negotiated to come back and be in another, you know, uh, another experience with, yeah. a, with that office. And so that allowed me before I graduated college to, you know, tech a Broadway show, go out of town with a Broadway show, open it out of town, travel with it then go, you know, meet up with a Broadway show with major stars that's, you know, in Los Angeles, um, and get, you know, some of those little bits of, of, you know, real world experience about what's happening with the, the, the New York stuff hmm. going out of the city. Um, and then I came to, I, I was back in New York for 2004 to, through 2006. And then I was asked to be a company manager on a production in Las Vegas for one of the New York companies for a year. And I spent all of 2007, uh, in Las Vegas learning about that market. Mm. Um, and actually, I flew out there on January 2nd uh, of 2007, and I flew back on January 1st of 2008 um, to start a Broadway show. And then after that, I did another Broadway show, and then I went out on tour again. And I spent four years without a break um, touring the country. Oof. Now, <laughs> so, you know, w what happened was, like, I'm going to stick on this burnout um, yeah. uh, thing. I, at that point, I'm now, you know, I, I'm saving money aggressively, very specifically. I had a plan for myself that I was only allowed to live off of my per diem, you know, and per diem is money that a, a production company gives you when you're traveling to um, do one of two things. One is just for meal expenses and the company pays for your hotel or they give you a larger amount of money and you pay for your hotel and your meal expenses, yeah. um, which gives you some options. And through recommendations of other general managers and company managers who had been through that experience, um, what they had said to me was when you're touring, save as much money as you can, um, because that will give you options when you come back to the city because you don't have to take the next thing. It gives you some flexibility. So, you know, at about the halfway point of being out on the road, I am, you know, I'm five, nine, 
I, since I was 18, my weight fluctuates between like 165 and 172. <laughs> and about halfway through this point, um, two really good friends of mine, uh, one that I've known since I was, you know, eight years old, another that became a very great friend of mine in college. Um, I went on a two day trip, uh, to, with a group of guy friends and they basically held an intervention <laughs> to talk to me about basically how much I sucked as a friend. Oh shit. <laughs> um <laughs> lovingly. Um and al- and and you know and also my personal appearance, mm. you know. And the thing was I was working around the clock. Um I was working on a show that I was very proud of. Um but I also was not eating well. I was not exercising. Uh, I wanted to do all those things, but I could never find time to do it because I'm working, 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 working. And so, you know, I mentioned the weight because at that point, like, I'm like 185, getting close to 190 pounds. Mm. Um, And my friends sit down with me and they said, like, you know, we all are together for a two-day trip. You have spent most of the time in your hotel room on your laptop or on work calls and you suck, <laughs> you know, they're, <laughs> Honesty. they're, you know, they're like, you need to get your shit together. Yeah. And it was, you know, those moments where it's like, if we go in, you know, inside myself, I knew all that to be true. Um, but I also, you know, I was thrilled about the, you know, the contract that I was on, um, I was thrilled about the amount of money that I was saving, you know, and knowing that, you know, shows don't last forever. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm fully invested in that experience. But those are, you know, those are those moments where you go, gosh, how do I like, how do I step off the train tracks for a little while and, you know, assess, you but know, also not lose the momentum, but not lose the momentum, you know? And so that's a challenge. And, you know, I think, you know, there's the saying, you know, when there's a fork in the road, take it. Um, and I had an opportunity to actually hop off of that job, um, to, uh, work, uh, on another show that was going to be a different experience for me. Um, and, uh, very different level of stress and actually ended up being enjoyable. Uh, loved it. So right. yeah. you've been listening to entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening.